This is the Horse Radio Network. The barn is often where we meet our best friends. This week, we'll discuss how to find your horse people, what it's like to be selected for a team headed to the Pan American Games, and finally, somebody asked the horses how they feel about rain pressure. Thanks for tuning in. From Heels Down Mag, a podcast where horse pros chat about what's happening in the horse world over drinks. Welcome, Welcome to, Happy to Happy Hour. Hour. I'm Justine Griffin. I'm Jessica Payne. And I'm Ellie Wozniaka. Welcome to episode 51 of Heels Down Happy Hour. Doing, guys? I'm good. How are you guys? I'm all right. Still jet lagged, Justine? Oh my gosh. So jet lagged. <laughs> Your trip looked amazing, though. Oh, thank you. We had a really good time. It's nice to have fancy friends who have like really ridiculous weddings in the in wine country of Italy. We had a really <laughs> fun time. Gives you a good excuse to travel, right? Yeah, absolutely. So this episode is brought to you by Eco Gold. What I love most about Eco Gold, uh, my favorite Eco Gold pad is my Hunter Show pad. So when I'm getting ready for a horse show, it is like the epitome of like horse show excitement is when I pull out my Eco Gold pad and make sure it's crisp and clean and ready to go. And I love it because it honestly doesn't slip. It's my favorite pad. I put it on. I can ride in the hunters all day long, even in the crazy heat right now in Florida. It's the easiest pad to use. I don't ever think about it once I tack up because it's there to just do its job and not create any problems for me. So if you are interested in getting your own highly breathable, super non-slip pad from EcoGold, which they make in both English and Western styles now, you should visit ecogold.ca. Our drink this week is actually from Aaron Quain, the winner of one of our Yeti giveaways. So this is a LA water. So you have to layer from bottom to top in this order. One ounce of blue... Blue Curacao, one ounce Mindori, one ounce Malibu, one ounce peach tree, one ounce vodka, and then you top it with cranberry juice and garnish with a lime and cherry. So that sounds really refreshing. This is so that's totally a lot of alcohol. Drink. Yeah. That's like, like a ton of liquor. <laughs> yeah, but like, I mean, blue Curacao and stuff, it's not like it tastes like it's, you know. You're like, going to basically not notice that you're getting messed yeah, up. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Perfect. <laughs> going to creep up on you pretty fast. And so yeah. the color of this drink is interesting. You know, obviously there's the blue, but it, it looks like greenish. But anyways, it sounds super refreshing. Yeah. I wonder why it's called an L.A. water. I want to know. Yeah. Good question. Did it come from L.A.? I don't know. Yeah. For news this week, I don't know if you guys saw Sophie Wells, the two-time gold medalist from Rio for the Paralympics. She had this freak accident with her horse just hacking. She was just walking on a trail and apparently a goose flew out from underneath her horse's front legs and he just spooked so bad that he fell down on her left leg. Luckily, she was okay. Like she just had some whiplash and some bruising, but she's kind of using this event as a way to remind riders about helmet safety and just how important it is to, you know, pay attention to helmets because you never know what's going to happen. You know, it doesn't matter the age of the horse or, you know, what, oh, you're, what doing. you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. That's so scary. Holy. Cause that could happen to anybody. You know what I mean? Like a, yeah. a freak accident like that. Wow. 
Yeah, and she mentioned, too, you know, it's like the worst thing. Like, people always worry when they're out on hacks, when there's no ring, you know, the horse runs back home. Luckily, the horse was good, too. Like, nobody got seriously injured, but it could always happen, you know. If he'd fallen the wrong way, she could have really hurt herself, so. Absolutely. Yeah, that's so scary. What about you, Jess? I have an amazing one. So, huge shout out to Frankie Terriot for doing her first five star and at Lemulin, she was fourth place. She, we were watching all weekend and really, really excited for her because she had tried to go to Kentucky twice. She had this horse frack that actually had one eye and he got hurt right before Kentucky. And then she's had an amazing lead up. Like last year she won Fairhill and Galloway. Like she was the only rider to win two old three-star formats now a four-star, but she had, she was the only rider to like win two in a year. And so she was like super excited to go to Kentucky. Like everything was going really well. And then she was boarding, she was about to put her horse on the plane and he just wasn't a hundred percent. So she couldn't go to Kentucky and turned out it was like nothing. It was just bad timing. And she was very lucky. She had gotten the Versar grant to go over. And so she actually got to go to Lemulin and rerouted to Lemulin and she got Tammy Smith, her coach to go over and she rocked it. Like she was amazing. She got like a 28 on the flat. And then she was super fast cross country, like had six time penalties and then jumped clean with only two time. That's amazing. Oh, wow. She's so like awesome. My spirit animal. I mean, oh, she's I texted like, her and told her she was my hero. <laughs> Cause she's an amateur, right? She's still, yes. that's the best part about it is like, she runs two businesses. She has a family and she's out there just like killing it. She's amazing to watch. Well, and I think she's such an inspiration because she doesn't have like a huge like lineup of horses. And so it's not like she gets to practice. Like Chatwin is her horse. Like that's like her best friend. And like she, you know, she doesn't have like this whole barn full of grooms and everything else. Like she does all of this. She really enjoys herself. And so she had kind of, um, I think I read somewhere I was talking about something that basically she kind of like had lost herself and like got back into it for the right reasons again. And was like, look, it's about being fun and like about really, you know, obviously like she likes to win, but you know, putting the pressure in the right places. And so she went out there and truly, truly rocked it. That's such a good mentality to have. Yeah. It's nice to see at such a high level too. Well, and that's what's, it's so impressive that like as an amateur, she runs all these business, like she's like literally super person and she goes and then puts in the top results. So, I mean, who couldn't think that is like a hero? So she is awesome. She's got to just be riding high right now. Just like feeling so good. Yeah. Yeah, So she's, she's pretty incredible. So that is my news. And so she was awesome. Justine, what do you have? So I have an interesting science story for you guys. There's this new study that came out in a medical journal called Animals. So it's like veterinary science. And it's talking about the pressure we put on the bit, you know, using the reins as riders. And they found that dressage riders put three times more tension on the reins than the horses themselves actually will do voluntarily when you allow the horse to set their own pressure, like on a lunge line using uh, side reins. So the study found basically that humans are more apt to pull on their mouths than they really need to to get their horse properly working from behind and in a balanced frame, which I think is really interesting. So this was a pilot study, and they hope to, you know, evaluate this some more. But I, I, I think it's a good reminder, right? Just that, you know, 
we don't need to micromanage our horses all the time that they're they're capable of of going around correctly without maybe so much of our own interference and obviously that's easier said than done when you're riding in the moment but um so the researchers came from a university in Germany and they they hope to continue to study this like how the horse can put itself in the right position using its head, neck, and back. Hmm. That's really interesting. Yeah, using three times more tension on the reins. That sounds like a lot, right? I mean, that's, yeah, yeah. Especially when you think about how sensitive a horse's mouth much must be. Right. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what else they find in the future. But we will link to this study in the show notes and obviously to all our news items, uh, so you guys can find that once the show publishes. So if you're not a subscriber yet, you really should sign up for the Heels Down Brief, our weekday email newsletter. We want to know if you're a listener or if you're already a subscriber or even if you're about to become a subscriber, how much money do you spend on your horse? We're talking about expenses. So from board to how much your purchase price was to how much a bale of hay is in your area where you live. We're going to be discussing money in the brief starting the week of June 24th. So email us and let us know. How much you spend on your horse every month? Hello at heelsdownmedia.com. And we might feature some of your answers. And if you want to subscribe, you can do that by going to bit.ly slash hdbrief. Okay, guys. So the product we're going to review today is actually pretty cool because it's not necessarily what you think of as an equestrian product, but it is so easily adaptable for barn life and horse show life. Ellie and Jess, are you guys fans of Yeti? Do you have a Yeti cooler or any Yeti products? We have tons of Yeti. We have the Yeti cooler. We have the Yeti cups. We have the Yeti koozie that goes over the, you know, beer bottle. We have it all, I think. So we are huge, huge Yeti fans. I don't, but I drool over them every time I see them on the internet. So I'm definitely, it's definitely on my list. It's like one of those things that you hear all about it. Because I was that person like, eh, I think of, you know, in Florida, it's like, the fish guys who are really into Yeti products, right? The guys that go fishing. <laughs> and I'm like, meh, I don't really need to live that lifestyle. But the problem is once you realize how, why people like them so much, then you're sold because you jump on the bandwagon. Yeah. On. Their products do exactly what they say they do. You know, they're, they're worth the investment. So well, this, this yeah, week I was going to say one of our favorite, one of our favorites is just the fact that like it keeps ice all day long. Like you can go to the horse show and put it in like a big, we have the big cups or even like the low ball ones and it has ice. So like from, you know, water that you can't stand getting hot and everything else to your drinks in the afternoon, like it is the thing to do. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I'm glad you brought that up because that's what I'm going to review this week is the Yeti Rambler low ball glasses, which just, so you said you have those. We have those. And so Doug uses it. When he's like dry, you know, we'll take the golf cart out or whatever and he'll make his scotch and it's like the perfect cup for it because then they come with like tops and I think there's like all different types of tops, but there's like one with a little hole, one with a straw and one that like closes. So Uh it's great to like just a lot of times like we'll go on like a night, you know, an afternoon ride in the golf cart with Hudson. So he like, you know, just gets to see he likes like ride around the neighborhood kind of thing. And so he can like carry a scotch or his whiskey, whatever he's drinking that week. (laughs) I and hope that's you're absolutely... talking about Doug. 
Oh, yes. Yes, Doug, <laughs> not Hudson. Well, wine Hudson would be really difficult to drive the golf cart. And yes, no, he does not drink whiskey or scotch. But it is perfect for that. So, Ellie, to give you kind of an idea of what it looks like, the lowball glass is, it holds 10 ounces, but it's it's like a short glass, you know, but it's insulated like all Yeti products. And like just said, Yeti sells a bunch of different types of lids for them. So they can be like, there's a slider lid. There's also, uh, there's like one with that you put a straw in. So it really depends. But so I have the standard one and I, I used it on a Sunday because I wanted to put all of my beverages for the day in it and see how it, how it, well, like how well it went. So I put hot coffee in it and it kept coffee in it hot like literally all day super hot too yeah like all day like I could leave it for four hours and come back to it it's still just as hot as when it came out of the pot then I so then I took it to breakfast and I put a mimosa in it (laughs) and the mimosas yeah the mimosas stayed cold like literally all day and then I also put an iced coffee in it Uh, to take with me to the barn later that day. And it's heavy duty. What I like about it is it feels like camping gear or, you know what I mean? Like my horse could grab it with his mouth and not destroy it. Like it's a heavy duty glass. It can kind of take some wear and tear, but if it will, if you put a beer in it, it's going to stay cold. If you're going to put a mixed drink, it's going to stay cold. If you put hot coffee in it, it'll stay hot. Well, what I also like is talking about the durability is how many times do you like like you said, you grab a coffee in the morning and I throw it in the bag. So we have like the medium size ones for that. Uh-huh. And I throw it or actually we ended up, Doug bought one and it's got like a weird top that screws on, but it doesn't have like a wheel lid like that. And I was like, what are we going to use this for? And then honestly, it kept Hudson's, it's a cylinder, like a long cylinder and it kept his milk cold. So it was great. I didn't have to add like ice or anything weird to keep his milk cold when we were going somewhere for like three or four hours. But then we throw it in the back of the car once it's used. And then inevitably, like everybody that knows, like if you have kids or horses or dogs or anything else, things come flying out of my truck onto the pavement and 90% of the cups break like immediately when they hit the ground. The Yetis, they're fine. Completely fine durability wise. Oh, wow. And they're just... You can run them in the dishwasher. You won't ruin it if you put it in the dishwasher, which is great. So so anyways, if you want to know more about Yeti products and especially the Rambler lowball glass, you can go to Yeti.com and we will have that link for you in the show notes. All right, everybody. I'm really excited to have Doug Payne with us on the show. And he's fresh off the breaking news that Doug has made it to the Pan American Games U.S. team with his super cool mare that um, we've seen some some really fun and really great results with you guys earlier this year. So first of all, congrats, Doug. Yeah, thank you very much. And thanks for having me. Absolutely. So why don't you tell us more about how the selection process goes? Because I mean, like, how early did you start talking to the selectors? How did you how did you know you were in the running? How does that work? So it's been a bit of a process. We've been very, very lucky. Uh, Star witnesses, her name, and we call her we call her the ginger ginger ninja. It was her uh, sort of moniker that goes. So she appears to be a chestnut mare, but on paper, she's actually brown. In any case, Lori McCree and Catherine Winter, myself, and actually Emil Spadone, who found her, have been together sort of working with, what, 18, 19 months at this point. And so she's kind of a unique case because she was actually in the hunter ring before and she was just a little bit too hot and, you know, just wasn't quite cutting it. And I grew up about 10 minutes from Amos place and we oftentimes trade horses back and forth and so he said well just take this horse see if it could be anything and we got her and 
she certainly could be tough-minded, but she was incredibly talented. And, uh, you know, we went to, to Catherine and to Lori and we're able to put a, a group together to, to get her. So at that point, it's really an unknown because she had shown through a meter 20 uh, jumping. So it's not that you really had to teach her how to jump, but the nuance of cross country, she just got a crash course on pretty quick. And, um, and same thing with dressage. Luckily she's quite a good mover. So if some inconsistency is in contact and, you know, steadiness and all that are, have continued. And that's honestly, the flat work's probably the last thing that comes. It just takes so much time, but she started off, did one or two trainings, we did it easily. Right. And then, so we said, well, we'll go prelim. And she again, found it not challenging at all. And so I took a shot. I don't know. I think it was Millbrook. Maybe she did her first intermediate, uh, which is in August. And I said, you know what, we should probably give this a shot. See if we could get her to go to jockey club to the old T-star current day three-star. And with the uh, Pan Ams in mind and knowing that she had a very limited competitive history, I figured we really needed for her to have a legitimate shot had to have two long formats at the level under her belt and so we were able to sort of scrape it by qualification wise to get to jockey club and she ended up finishing second there and then she won uh, jersey this spring so at that point you know you're in the mix because a horse at the level then it's just a question it's a there's a lot at stake this year with um, getting the olympic qualification and would the selectors be willing to take a shot on a younger horse but honestly she's been incredibly competitive throughout her career albeit a short one um, that it was probably worth taking a shot at what is she like you know in the barn is she what's her personality oh, she's awesome. like? no she's she's great she she would appreciate her men she also appreciates a good meal she is like the most food motivated horse ever um, but really easy yeah exactly really easy to work around like she's like a puppy dog basically and she's beautiful and unfortunately she knows it so um, <laughs> yeah she's uh, yeah she, she's pretty special that's awesome so i mean this is i mean this is a big deal doug it's yeah. your first first time on a team like this right so how do you feel about it and how did you feel i guess the first time the selectors approached you so i guess being in this sport long enough i mean and honestly you, you know the selectors pretty well yourself already and so um we're lucky enough to have some horses that were on high performance lists in the past and upcoming and so we were yeah again lucky enough that quinn and actually getaway was the one that was listed this spring that that put the high performance uh put us on the sort of high performance list and the great thing with eric devander our coach this year or sort of current coach he's been incredibly supportive and helpful and it's been unique in that I've been through two other coaches and he was the most invested in the string of horses upcoming. And oftentimes when he'd come to the farm, you'd get a lesson on the top horse, but if you had extra time, he's like, just bring over, you know, bring in whatever else you got basically. And so, um, yeah, he loved her at first sight. So I knew that we had a, an inside track to at least get some attention. But frankly, results are what's going to get you there. And mm -hmm. I mean, I, I'm not sure she's been outside the top five all year. And yeah, I mean, she's she's really good. She's won three events this year already. Oh, wow. So the Pan Ams are technically the three-star long format, right? That's how, correct. How will Ginger handle it? It should be great. It should be. I mean, I guess anything could happen, but she's done two now. The Jockey Club was a three-star long, and Jersey Fresh this spring was a three-star long. So she, yeah, she's she's been there. She's seen tough courses, 
good terrain, like it, it shouldn't be much of an issue in that regard. Gotcha. So I know you mentioned this is a pretty high stakes competition for the U.S. and also for Canada, but uh, as basically in how you can qualify for the Olympics. So, I mean, that's a lot of pressure to put on you, right? And, and with a young horse, um, how, do you, how do you feel about is. that? It uh, is, like it is for sure, but been lucky enough. I've been on a couple, been named a couple Nations Cups teams and had some trips on grants over the past couple of years over to, to continental Europe or England. And so, I'm don't get me wrong, I'm sure there's, I'm sure it's different and not having been there, I'd be completely naive to just say that it's going to be no big deal. But we, I don't know, my competitive career, we've been in, in a number of really tough mental spots. I think we, I'm very confident with her abilities and, and with mine, frankly, that I think it should be, should be in good shape. And I don't also want to forget that, um, that Quinn or Van Diver is the direct replacement. So basically if someone, God forbid, were to happen to her, Quinn would step in um, as her replacement on the team. That's awesome. Yeah, um, no, really awesome. Well, Doug, we're, well, I mean, it's not that far from now. So we'll see you. We'll be watching you, live streaming you from Lima. Um, yeah. Just next month. Wow. Yeah, we've got our, there's a mandatory outing. So a competition that we're all required to go to is a three-star short at Maryland Horse Trials. And that's in, what is that, two weeks from now. And so that'll be, that'll be pretty exciting and get the team all together at that point. And then from there, we uh, prepare as best we can and hopefully come back with a gold. Sounds awesome. Well, thank you for stopping by and giving us an update. Oh, no problem at all. Thanks for having me. Congratulations again. Yep. Thanks. So smart pack has increased their coverage for Colicare. So their colic reimbursement program is now up to $10,000. My horses are on Colicare because it's a free program and you can use it in conjunction with your existing equine insurance. And it even covers senior horses. There's no age limit because you shouldn't have to worry about anything but your best friend. For more information, visit smartpackequine.com. All right, Ellie and Jess. So I noticed some interesting threads in our Facebook group lately that all kind of had a very common theme. So I thought maybe we should talk about them on the show. And all of our listeners who I love so much, I love our Facebook group, have been talking about barn families and, you know, trying to find a way to fit in at a new barn. Say you had to move your horse for whatever reason, or your, your horse has a really, is doing really well at a specific barn, but you're having a hard time finding where you fit in with the, you know, with the riders and the people who also board there. So I wanted to talk to you guys about that. How do you, how do you find camaraderie with the people at your barn? How do you, are you the type of people who kind of go out of your way to make people feel comfortable or, do you or horses more like, hey, this is my thing. I'm here to work and spend time with them, not necessarily looking for, you know, personal friendships or Ellie, wh- why don't we start with you since you have your own farm now? But obviously, I know you wrote on your college teams, which are a great place to meet friends. So how does you know, how do you handle that? Yeah, that's that's where I met my uh, my boyfriend. Actually, he was the captain of the team. But oh, wow. Yeah. In any case, but like so. In my perspective right now that I own my own place, I'm really missing that kind of sense of community and the, um, like just the interaction that you get with other boarders and other riders. So I have a couple people that come in from old places I used to board and bring their horses just to ride and stuff. And that's nice, but I think it's, it's definitely something that I'm missing, especially growing up, um, at a, you know, show barn, you know, we stayed there all day long you know it wasn't just go ride leave it was 
we're going to pick rocks today and we're going to actually enjoy it because we enjoy each other's company. So I think that's definitely something that's missing in my life now that I have, you know, my own place. But what do you think, Just So, I mean, ours is a bit different also because we, we don't take on borders or anybody. We just have training horses and most of ours are actually not clients, like they're clients that don't live in the area. They send their horses down for training and then they're not around. But I have, I teach a lot of ladies and stuff, which is a lot of fun and enjoy that. So like kind of in that aspect with my clients sort of thing, that's been a lot of fun. And that's kind of how I grew up in that sense of like Jan's been my coach for I don't know, 10, 15 years, something like that. Crazy. Well, it's probably longer than that. It's kind of scary, but she, you know, is become one of my best friends. She's like family, you know, she's, she is part of our family. Like she legit, like, you know, I call her and ask her anything. And so, yeah, I think it kind of just adapts for us is like the people that become our clients and that we're really close with become some of our best friends. And, you know, that's just part of what it is. So I think it's part of why, you know, why I stay with Jan and why she's been so great. Like she's an amazing coach, but she's also such a good person. And like, that's who we surround ourselves with. And that's kind of our clients as well, if that makes sense. Yeah, that totally makes sense. So, so. And Ellie, I totally get what you're feeling right now though. Cause I was just like you, I grew up at a show barn and had like that built-in community of, you know, girls my age, but then also older girls to look up to that were, you know, like mentor types when I was younger. And then, you know, you kind of grow up with those people as you advance in your riding. And then I rode on my college team as well and had that experience in college. And then when I was an amateur, especially right out of college, when I had no money, everything I did with horses was just like so haphazard and on the fly. And I was just lucky to happy to have like a ride somewhere. And when I bought my first horse, it was sort of like an extension of that where I just, I was on such a crazy budget that being at a barn with sense of community was like very low on the priority list of what I needed. It had to be like safe for my horse and, and relatively safe for me. (laughs) Exactly. So I, for, so for many years I just rode by myself. Right. And then I started showing and I was showing by myself. Um, and it, there are definitely days where I miss the nostalgia and have the nostalgia of like ha- being at the show barn and that kind of thing. But it may, I don't know. I the older I get, the more I feel like horses are my like my me time. So I think I'm okay with that. And then I have friends, you know, like like Jess or even Caroline and Sally and other people you guys know from the show who like watch my videos on YouTube and send me, you know, very nice encouraging messages. So it's funny how like that changes over time too. And thanks to social media, but I'm at the barn I'm at now. I'm like that one adult amateur. That's not like mom or grandma age and who's not like a kid. Right. So there are two other adult amateur ladies who are older than me and I love them to death and they're my best friends at the barn, but, but our life, our lives are so different. You know, one's a snowbird and is only here half the year. And the other one is mostly retired and is, you know, downsizing from her home with her husband right now. You know, so like we're all in very different stages of our lives, but I really appreciate their friendships for sure. Like I treasure them. I think it makes a big difference too. You know, like if you have a negative experience, like, I mean, one of the places I boarded before Matt and I bought our property was just like, super like competitive and just kind of nasty 
just uh-huh. overall, you know, like all the people, I think I was one of the youngest, like they did have like a lesson program and like lesson kids, but I was definitely the youngest horse owner there. And like, they were not, I mean, I guess they were with each other, but it was like, it was weird for me to see adult clicks. You know what I mean? But it just, you know, and it definitely put a bad taste in my mouth. You know, I just want to go and ride and enjoy my horse. And for me who, you know, can talk anybody's ear off for me to have like no desire to want to talk to people. I'm like, Oh, it's not really a good place for me, you know? And I think that's important because if, I mean, if you're going to pay to board somewhere, you should enjoy being there. Absolutely. That's really important. You shouldn't, yeah, you shouldn't be afraid or have that affect your mood of going to see your horse, right? Because you're worried about the people that should never be part of it. And unfortunately it is sometimes. So you guys, it is summer and it is hot and I am so thankful I have my EIS summer shirts. Do you guys have the heels down one? Oh yeah. They're lifesavers. This time of year, like, I feel like it's been really hot the last couple of days. So I've had mine like zipped up long sleeves all the way down to like get as minimum sun as possible all over me because I feel like I'll have horrible tan lines. And that's what I love about these shirts is it's a hundred degrees and I can zip them up. I don't feel like, I think they're cooler than wearing like tank tops and everything else because you know how you're like, basically your skin gets so hot. Like if you're in a short sleeve shirt or a tank top, these like, I feel keep you cooler. So you guys need to check out, they have multiple colors, multiple styles that please go to www.equiinstyle.com. So you guys know what it is. It's that time. Favorite, one of the favorite parts of the podcast, Rose and Thorn. Are you guys ready? Or you need some time? I think uh, I can go. All right. You go, Ellie. So my rose is kind of nerdy. Uh, you guys don't even know this about me, but I collect um, antique typewriters. <laughs> um, really? That's so yes, cool. Yes, I do. It's a, it's a new habit that my boyfriend is really angry about. But because they just keep coming and he's like, where are these coming from? Like, I don't know. Santa Claus. Um, But so I just got this new one shipped all the way from Colorado and it's called a Fox for those of you who know typewriters. But anyway, and I've finally got it working and typing. So it was just super exciting because I'm new to like the whole restoration process and maintaining them. So it's cool to, you know, see it pay off. My that thorn. is really cool. I have yeah. one too. I have a Remington. I just have one though. Oh, okay. So yeah, so I have an Underwood, a Fox, and I just actually purchased a an Hermes 3000. Wow, that's so, cool. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, so basically that's what I do in my <laughs> uh, free time. <laughs> my boyfriend collects like um, historical rifles. So we've just got a whole lot of old stuff everywhere, <laughs> like hanging up in the house. And so it's kind of cool. But so my thorn, unfortunately, was that I took a little tumble off of. Oh, no. Yeah. Off of the cult that I've been working on. I mean, it wasn't anything. It was kind of like, you know, Sophie Wells. It was a freak situation where I thought my cinch was tight, got on, and then the horse spooked and my saddle started slipping. So I was like, I'm just going to bail. So this doesn't end badly. But so I'm a little sore. Got a big bruise on my leg. but. I'm all right, but it was never fun. No, no. And I still need to get new arena footing. So mine's like a little hard right now. And that 
that was a good reminder. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Oh. <laughs> what about you guys? Justine, do you know yours? I can guess one of yours. I'm just not sure if it's your rose or your thorn. <laughs> What's your guess? My guess is that you had an amazing trip to Italy. So that's what my, your, I'm going to guess your rose is. But I feel like your thorn is that you've probably been jet lagged for like four days right now. <laughs> All right. Pretty <laughs> close. <laughs> <laughs> just or that you like, had to come back from Italy, right? Probably, I'm probably so a bit old, but I feel like just we're becoming like telepathic from all. Yeah, this. <laughs> do you want to guess mine? <laughs> oh I goodness. bet you can guess my rose. I can guess your rose. Yeah, I mean you have pretty. So why don't you go first? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So my rose would be that Doug got me named to the Pan Ams. And I'm so excited that both um, Star Witness and Van Diver were listed, that Star Witness was the pick and then Quinn is the direct reserve. So, you know, we're going to bubble wrap those things for the next couple weeks or months to make sure that one of them is going. But really, really excited about that. So I'm pretty sure the entire world could have guessed my rose this week. And then my thorn was... We, we had an amazing trip to California and then back, but we had not so great planning. Like, and I'm the planner, so I'm taking full responsibility for this one, but <laughs> we went to California to visit my brother. So it was a great vacation, everything. But then we were flying back with my parents and it takes all day to fly from like California by the time you leave in the morning to get to Nashville because we had been at Brownland, which was so much fun to vet, like to go to the horse show there. But we had the truck and the golf cart. So we got home at like 8 o'clock Nashville time, central time. And we still had to get back to Aiken, 8 p.m. And we still had to get to Aiken because at 8 a.m. Aiken time, Doug was jumping in the welcome and it was the first class of the day. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> so we drove through the night with Hudson. And he, he was really good, but we got home at four 30 in the morning and Courtney's like, so is Doug riding with me? And I had, we didn't get numbers or anything. So like I had to go to the office and we had, um, the lady that helps us with Hudson coming at 7am because the horse show started at eight. So I was like, oh, this is going to be perfect. We'll wake up at six 30 and we'll get to the horse show and I'll get the numbers and everything. Seven 15, Courtney woke us up. And was like, is Doug riding with me or with you? <laughs> We're still in bed. <laughs> the oh, horse show no. was in 45 minutes. Oh, I've never gosh. seen the two of us move so fast in our lives. Like, I have no idea what I was wearing. No idea, like, how my teeth got brushed, basically. We brushed our teeth, washed our face, and bolted out the door, both of us. And magically, horses were good. He jumped well. And we lived to see another day, basically. But it was painful. I'm not going to lie. It makes me feel better that like these little things happen to you guys. Like <laughs> at that level, it makes me feel better about my own mess ups. So. <laughs> Doug goes, the welcomes the first class of the day. <laughs> I go, oh, no. Yeah. And he goes, it's always in the afternoon. And I was like, no, not in the summer and not like at classic company. And he's like, oh, this is going to be real painful. <laughs> That's horse show jet lag. That's what that is. It was so bad. Like, I was like half asleep in the car, like between the rides. I was like, this is so bad. 
Oh. Oh, that's pretty funny. So I apologize if anybody texted me or saw me on Thursday of like a couple of weeks ago because I was not coherent all day. Oh, man. <laughs> so Justine, let's hear how close you were, how I was to you. So, yeah, so my rose was that um, I just got back from a really wonderful trip. We felt very honored that our friends invited us to their very small wedding, but it was um, in Perugia in Italy. So it was very remote, not necessarily Tuscany, but still wine country. But it was um, an absolutely gorgeous wedding. We had a super fun time. Um, And then probably my rose, I mean, my thorn, as much as I am jet lagged today, is driving a rental car in Italy is a... Uh, incredibly bizarro experience. And luckily, <laughs> luckily I didn't have to do it. My husband did, but uh, oh yeah, I was just stressed for him sitting in the passenger seat. And I know I just made it a thousand times worse for him because I was backseat driving like a crazy person. <laughs> so I thought we were going to die on every turn. <laughs> and I mean, we've driven in other countries before at this point, you know, so I was like, we'll be fine. We can handle it. Nope. It was words I probably can't say on the air. Uh, cluster nightmare. <laughs> and there was a moment like, so we drove, we flew into Rome and then we drove to the wedding area and then we drove to Florence and like Rome was crazy. It's a big city, but we navigated it fine and figured it out. It was Florence. That was a nightmare. And I don't, you know, June is probably high tourism season, right? But we get into Florence and we're staying like right in the heart of the city. So we're like, oh, let's just drive the car to the hotel first and unload all our crap before we get rid of the car. And we're getting, we're like zigzagging through smaller and smaller streets of like this very old, you know, city. And so the streets are getting smaller and smaller, more cobbly. And then all of a sudden we're in like a tourist pack, jam-packed area where it felt like we were like in the middle of a zombie apocalypse movie where there were just so many people surrounding our car walking yeah. through these streets and that we couldn't we just couldn't get around them. And my husband was like, we just need to abandon the car right here and start walking. <laughs> he was so stressed out. <laughs> But, but we made it through and it, everything was fine. But there were definitely some moments of like sheer panic. So if you're going to drive a car in Italy, just a heads up. Oh, God. <laughs> so. so we have a great mailbag this week from Michaela and she is an avid listener. So thanks for listening. She had a couple questions for us and I can't wait to see what you guys kind of have to say about this. She is currently riding a five-year-old quarter horse, and she says that the mare started her riding early as a cattle horse and kind of worked on the farm, and she's recently kind of ventured into the English world, and she's tried dressage, and she's just having a hard time trying to figure out what the mare really likes and what she enjoys. So her question is basically, how do you find out what your horse enjoys doing? She's tried kind of, she's a very good trier and like tries to do what she asked, but she's just kind of being a little bit difficult. So she's a bit stuck and wants to know kind of your advice of what you would do with her and why kind of figuring out English or Western or what she likes. So Ellie first, like you do a little bit of both. How do you kind of figure out what the horse is like in general between the two? Well, so my personal like idea is that one discipline is really restrictive. I mean, and just, I mean, as an eventer, right, you know, you have three disciplines that you do and that's, you know, exciting for the horses because they get to try new things. I think, I think with a young horse, especially that you're just trying to find, you know, their niche, 
it's just like having a kid that does soccer, right. And wants to try gymnastics, you know, you just like kind of give them tastes of different things. I mean, and they'll tell you, you know, you'll see when a horse like really enjoys doing something like my big guy, Berkeley, like loves hunter paces. Like if you go out and jump him in the woods, that is like his favorite thing to do, you know, but at the same time, I never, I try not to do the same thing over and over again, you know? So like when I took him to the EAP a couple years ago, the week before I was riding him in a Western saddle and just in a hackamore, you know, just goofing off, you know? And I think the biggest thing for any horse really is to just keep things exciting, keep things new, you know, and then they'll find out, you'll know. <laughs> what about you, Justine? Yeah, I think that's great advice, Ellie. And I kind of had the same issue when I started my thoroughbred gelding. Mikey, I didn't know what I wanted. I, you know, I bought him hoping he would be a hunter because that's what I've always done and what I enjoy. And then uh, at first he wasn't showing a whole lot of talent for the hunters. And I was like, well, what am I going to do with this horse? I guess we'll try other things. So we started taking dressage lessons and then I started schooling cross country and then I started doing hunter paces and then I showed him in the jumper ring for a while. And over time, I think just all of that exposure just helped him develop into the horse that I wanted because now he's a pretty good hunter. Uh, but I still do all those other things. I still dabble in, you know, low level eventing stuff. I still take dressage lessons. We still trail ride. We still, you know, we still go out for cross country and, and hunter pieces. So I think it, Michaela, whatever you want to do, I think you should try with your horse. And I think over time, you know, it'll take more than just one or two rides, right? You got to do it uh, several times for them to one, get comfortable with something that's new and different. And then I think you'll get a better feel. But if you're still struggling, my, you know, my advice, like when I wasn't sure about Mikey, my horse, I would go to my trainer, right? So Jess, I think this is where you come in. I'm sure you get this with some clients when they have young horses. How do you help them figure out what their strengths are and what their weaknesses are? Yeah. And I think you both put it very well that basically time is a huge thing. And also I loved what Ellie said in the sense of you know, just changing it up and figuring out what they like. And so when people come to us, we kind of just break it down and it's like, okay, you know, and it's not even just clients, it's our own personal horses, um, horses that have hated eventing and they were not good jumpers. I mean, and a part of this is like luck, but they jumped horribly when they were like event horses. And I think they just truly hated it. And one of them's now one of the Grand Prix horses, Marshall, and he was just miserable. And I think it was more the mental part of it. We were asking him to do a lot of, you know, dressage and every day was like a mental task with the event horses as an upper level horse. And so if they're showing you like kind of mentally, like talk to your trainer and kind of she'll give you, or he will give you kind of different exercises to kind of see, okay, are they, you know, is just strength or do they really not like it and maybe just try different things? I think another good example is just what Doug said earlier about Ginger Mare, just like he said, she was originally supposed to be a show hunter, but was yeah. just a tad too hot and then took to eventing like, like a, I mean, she loves water. it. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, she, I don't think she'd want to do anything else. I mean, she goes out every day wanting to work for it. And that's where it takes time. You know, you're not going to, I don't think they walk out one day and go, this is what I want. You know, you have to slowly <laughs> introduce it. Right. And so over time, you know, you'll find out they truly do 
want what they, you know, want to, what they want to work for. And so she comes out every day as a work lady, like she is ready to go, like doesn't care what it is, doesn't care how hard it is, you know, physically or mentally. She's like, I am up for the task. And mm-hmm. there, you know, there are other ones that just don't like that mental challenge of ours. And so, I mean, one of them's our Grand Prix horse and he jumps higher than any of them, but he doesn't like the mentally, like every day pounding on him mentally for the dressage and everything and the galloping and ever, you know, he never gets a light day of just kind of stretching at that point. So he just was like, Nope, I want to, I just want to jump really big twice a week. And that's it. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's a good point to make too. You know, you'll know if a horse doesn't like something real quick, you know, like, I mean, when I first got my Rainer, he was sour because he was in an IHSA program and he just kind of got sick of people doing uh, rundowns and pulling on his mouth because that's really not a cue that you use to stop a Western horse. And you guys know that. But and so when I first got him, I was like, oh, I'm going to, you know, ride him in an English saddle for a little bit, you know, switch things up. And I mean, I took him and actually showed him in a couple like pleasure classes and stuff. And he was fine. But I was like, oh, uh, today I'll take him over a cross rail just for fun. And I mean, he did it, but he was not happy with me at all. (laughs) So that was kind of like, okay, we know that's not what we like to do. (laughs) And he's terrified of flower boxes. So we just kind of leave it alone. But (laughs) so if you guys have a question for us, we really would love it if you would join our Facebook group. It's the Heels Down Happy Hour Podcast Lounge. You're welcome to post a question there, or you can always send us an email at hello at heelsdownmedia.com. And if you want to hear more from us, please subscribe to the Heels Down Brief by going to bit.ly slash hdbrief. And if you love our show, please leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts, whether it's iTunes or Spotify or Stitcher. And... We want to say thanks to all of our partners this week, which are Equal Gold, Smart Pack, and EIS. All right, guys, that's a wrap. Cheers. 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 Yeah.